Thank you so much for me. Uh, and I'm very pleased to be here to share with you um, some experience that I have of developing not a, not a whole doctoral program, we've, we've heard about the whole um, CDT type model, um, which is a whole integrated piece of training. Uh, we've heard about the general PhD experience. What I'm going to share with you is a development uh, which was uh, put in place by the University of Edinburgh, offering some doctoral training for students, um, but offered in a sh much shorter and much more intensive period of time. The program was initially funded by Robert's <coughs> money, uh, and supported by the Institute of Academic Development, and um, it was then Transkills at the University of Edinburgh. And the, the program was developed on the back of, of some research, which I had been undertaking with colleagues from MIT and the University of Cambridge, focused around how we develop entrepreneurial confidence, how we develop entrepreneurial knowledge and skills, and the ways in which different types of education and pedagogy can be much more effective in developing these skills amongst um, particularly student groups. The, I'm going to, to walk quickly through um, the, the programme context and talk a little bit about what inspired the development of the programme before talking in a little bit more detail about the framing of the programme itself, some of the pedagogical approaches that we used, and then share with you briefly some of the outcomes. The program has been run, it's been run three times, and I'll talk a little bit more about when the program was run <coughs> and the types of ways we've put in place uh, measures and metrics. I'm going to share with you some of the qualitative outcomes, um, but we also have some data which will allow us to, to look at some of the qualitative, the quantitative um, outcomes too. The context of the program, the program was developed in 2010. I joined the University of Edinburgh in 2008 to develop entrepreneurship education activities within the business school for both undergraduate, postgraduate, and post-exterior experience um, colleagues. I have been involved um, since 2002 in developing and delivering educational programs, particularly in the area of entrepreneurship, and have developed a research interest in, in how we can assess the impact of education programs. So this development of this program gave me a chance to bring together both my research background, but also my, my teaching and learning background as well. The, the context of this program was that universities are increasingly seen as playing a critical role in the knowledge economy. Majority in talented staff, majority in talented students. And so universities can act as, as a critical player within the flow of knowledge, both in terms of knowledge creation, but also in the way in which that knowledge is transferred out into the economy. Be it individuals going to work in public sector, private sector, not-profit organizations. So it's recognizing the, the, the laboratory environment that we have and the privileged way in which we can influence the development of those individuals who pass through our walls, whether they're staff or particular students. Universities also act as a, a way of helping to incubate business ideas where individual staff or students have these ideas. So we're an incubator environment. And this incubation sometimes is taking place in a very practical sense. Um, so it's taking place through physical incubator facilities. On other occasions, it's very much through individuals deciding to start up their own companies. But universities are increasingly having mechanisms to help this incubation environment take place whether it's through physical incubators, or whether it's through virtual incubation, or more general advice and stuff for training for staff and students. The whole drive between high entrepreneurship education is this idea that many people will eventually perhaps start a business, 
but through enterprise education, you can think of people bringing the future forward. But it's not only about business startup, it's about developing the types of skills which individuals can take into different types of workplace. So it's, it's about the skills for employment that we've got here in this presentation. And there are all sorts of ways in which government is inter intervening in the process. Uh, there's been the Science Enterprise Challenge Initiative, um, which resulted in universities developing both educational programs and also enhanced commercialization activities, um, both within the UK, um, with, with, with Scotland through SIE, um, but much more broadly through the range of enterprise centres across the country. We also see the research councils become more engaged and organisations like the Society of Edinburgh with enterprise fellowship schemes. So there are lots of things out there, um, but sometimes it can be a little bit difficult for the students to find the right sort of thing to suit their interests. So the programme was developed to try and raise awareness both within individuals about their skills and abilities, but also act as a maybe stimulated them to engage with some of these other different actors that are out there offering schools, offering programs, offering training, offering support. Also we recognize that increasingly when students are with us, and particularly when they for doctoral training, they're typically with us for at least three years, sometimes four, sometimes five years. And they are surrounded increasingly by business-related activities. Now, it's not to say that all the students that are going to go are going to go through the program I developed. The intention was for them to go out and start a business. It was much more about thinking about raising their knowledge base, increasing their knowledge base, increasing their skills, so that um, they could take the types of, of knowledge that we would develop through their PhD and doctoral research and decide if they're going to exploit it through commercialization within the university environment. Were they going to take that much more general knowledge base and move into employment? So transfer some of that knowledge into firms, into organizations externally. Now within the university environment, it's not so long ago that I remember seeing a meeting, not at this university, uh, with um, a group of senior members of the university. We said, do we really want to encourage our best, our best academics and our best students um, to go out and lead an academic environment? want to keep them here, we want to keep them with us. The whole culture and whole environment has changed very dramatically. We're seeing a much more supportive culture, both from senior academics and senior leaders within institutions. And that is, in many cases, resulting in the, the creation of technology transfer offices centrally, but also increasingly technology transfer activity at school level. So again, a local source of, of support for students who'd like to, to be able to take their ideas further. Now, the program that was developed was um, oriented to the fact that we've, talk, we've talked about the chances of PhD students gaining academic careers. Typically, we're looking at, and the figures have been used to one in seven, the statistics vary a little bit. But we're saying that most PhD students are not going to find an academic career. So it was about thinking and opening the minds of doctoral students to other career paths. The program was developed as an, extra, an extracurricular program. It wasn't embedded with anybody, within anybody's PhD program. Uh, information was sent out to um, research directors, to doctoral supervisors, through the network within the university, encouraging them to talk with their students about coming along to this initiative. So it was very much experimental. Um, 
we had run, I'd run some similar programs for early careers, for mid-career researchers in the University of Cambridge. So I knew some of the benefits that could accrue to these students by taking part. Um, but the framework is a, it's a new uh, intervention. The focus on the program initially was students, particularly from science engineering medicine and medicine, but as we go on to see, the, the constituency broadened out in later on for this program. As I mentioned, it was run three times now. And by the time of the third program, all three colleges from the university, science engineering, um, arts humanities and social sciences, and medicine and medicine had been sending students on the program. Now, I mentioned that I had a background in research around pedagogy to develop confidence in business skills. And so I, I leveraged the work on self-efficacy, which is about people's confidence in their abilities to pursue certain course of action in developing the program. And the different approaches used within the program gave students the chance sometimes to try things themselves, so they had some effective mastery in what they were doing. And in other areas, they were learning from the experience of others, so vicarious learning. Um, through role models. As I mentioned, the target audience, we focus particularly on doctoral researchers, but there were also some early career postdoctoral post participants who came along to the program as well. Uh, we felt that as the, as the mix gradually broadened to a series of programs, that there was a lot of cost learning, which was actually very valuable. And so by simply having engineering students on their own, or medical students on their own, you miss the opportunity for that real exchange of knowledge, different perspectives and skill sets. So the program has been run three times, in 2010, 2012, and 2015. It's a residential program, and so the students are taken away. On one occasion, it was as far as Harriet Watt, but it was far enough to get them from their research lab. Um, subsequently, we've moved up to the University of Dundee, the program is developed in two parts. The uh, first part is three days, and the second part is two days. And the first part is very much about helping the participants to reflect on their own knowledge, their own abilities, unlock some of their own creativity, uh, to strengthen some of their communication skills and leadership and teamworking skills, and also to, to talk them up to think about how they engage in negotiation, networking. Some of the very much some softer skills. So getting them more comfortable reflecting on who they are and some of their strengths and abilities. And some of the areas that they might like to develop further. The second part of the program moved more into thinking about business planning, some financial skills. So some of the types of skills that would be important if they went into a business environment. But also that are really important if, for example, you want to stay within an academic career and eventually the research team. Putting in large research applications, you need to think about budgets, you need to think about the um, technical aspects of the intellectual property you're going to generate, how you're going to manage that. So the program was very much based around the first part to do with soft skills, and the second part with some of the harder skills. Also, on day two of the second part, we brought in a number of different representatives who had taken different career paths having taken a PhD. So people who had, who remained as academics, others who'd been, uh, who were acting as academic entrepreneurs, they still had a foot in the academic camp, but they also had their own startup, spin-out business. And we brought people in who, who were intrapreneurs, they'd taken their knowledge and skills, 
overcame other organizations. So bringing that, that creative spark into those organizations, um, but developed through their PhD background. So this is the type of structure for the program. In terms of the approaches that we use, it's very interactive. Um, it's very little time with students sitting listening, being talked at, very much more based around group work. We were very, very, we were very fortunate to have a facilitation team because the first program was 64 students, as was the second, and the third was 48. And the students were broken up into teams of eight. So we had eight teams in the first two programs and six teams in the second in the third program. And we drew up facilitators from the Institute for Academic Development here at Edinburgh. Uh, we also drew on the facilitators from Launch.ed, which is our business startup and support of support and startup um, group communities from within our research and innovation office. So we wanted to get the students mixing together, sharing ideas, being active, being very participative. We brought in get speakers as role models. Some people who had been academics, who had been PhD students, and were now, as they say, starting their own businesses. So students could learn and reflect on the journeys that others have taken and see whether they thought they might take that path too. We also had a company-based project because between the two parts of the program, there was a roughly three-week gap. And during that time, the different student groups, we connected them with an entrepreneur and they had to undertake some research about that organization, about that company. So they brushed shoulders with somebody who had gone down an entrepreneurial career path. And they then had to produce a reflective piece uh, about the business and about that career journey. In terms of the, the environment, it was one that was, was very buzzy, it was very, very lively, a lot of noise, a lot of activity, a lot of engagement. But that's the sort of environment that you need to create if you want to try and enhance these aspects like self-efficacy. Some years ago, I developed this, this ladder of learning with colleagues, and it was, it was framed around this idea that if we want to, to heighten perhaps the effectiveness of our enterprise education activities, we need to gradually get the learner much more engaged in that experience. So for example, if you're in a lecture, you tend to be sitting listening. What you want to get with enhancing self-efficacy is people much more engaged in the learning process. So this is where activities like allowing a, uh, encouraging students to go and visit companies, to talk with entrepreneurs, and it is much more inclined to heighten the level of learning. In terms of outcomes, there is actually I have some metrics which I have some data which was being collected around self-efficacy, about entrepreneurial intentions, about desirability around particular careers. But rather than present technical this technical data, I just wanted to share with you some of the, the other more qualitative uh, findings for two of the participants. The first I've called Dave, Dave's not his original name, or his real name, he still has his original name. And he was a PhD student in the Institute of Systems energy systems at Edinburgh. And he, when he left the university, building on the knowledge and skills that he had gained, partly through his PhD, but also through his attending the program, he continued his career in actually an SME. So his first job out of the university was in an SME. Um, and he understood a bit more about what made that company tick through having been in the program. Since then, he's moved into being part of a large, or an organization in Spain, 
uh, a not-for-profit research organization, which is part of a large European project. He has to manage 19 different departments. So he liked a particular negotiation skills section of the course, because he now thinks about the way in which he interacts with partners, how he negotiates with them, in a completely different way than what he would had he not been on that program. Ernestine, by contrast, is she graduated from the International Public Health Program at Edinburgh, and she had never thought of when she was doing her PhD on starting a business that she that was something she could even do. And it was the it was the PhD studies plus some of the tools that she gained in the program that opened her whole world and her whole view of what she would do next. She founded a company about one one year and six months after she'd been in the program. And it's, a pro, it's an idea which is linked partly to her PhD, but not directly. And she recognized this course as a turning point in making her think very differently about the next steps of her career. She, she was very impressed by the way in which she developed a much more positive attitude to what she was doing. She realized that she could learn the skills that she needed. And she, she also benefited from the type of environment of the training program, where lots of opportunities for informal conversations to be had and to be able to reflect in a way that she, she had a mission to reflect about her next steps in a way she hadn't had to before. It gave her permission to think about her and what would come next. So in terms of policymakers often want quantitative measures, but some of these qualitative stories and journeys are always very powerful. And we're about to embark on the process of, of monitoring and tracking as many of the participants we can find in the program to understand an awful lot more about their journeys. We have data on about 12 of the journeys so far, but we want to track down the rest of them. Impact learning takes time. It's all about how careers develop over time. And we need to think about how we sow seeds in the doctoral experience, which may then gravitate and grow in all sorts of different directions. 